Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast, where we explore the challenging topics that young adults often face. Each week, we talk with guests who help answer questions of faith, life, and culture, connecting them to our daily experiences and God's Word. For more info on In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. Hey, welcome to In Doubt. This is Daniel Markin. And today we're continuing the conversation with Andy Steiger in part two of our little series on questioning Christianity. We're looking at various questions that people ask about the Christian faith, whether it's regarding to church or Jesus or even good and evil. And especially we spent some time there today talking about good and evil. Always great talking with Andy. You're going to really enjoy this episode. Hey, well, welcome back to part two of Questioning Christianity, discussion with Andy Steiger. He's the president of Apologetics Canada and a dear friend of mine. Andy, good to have you back. Good to be here, Daniel. Hey, we had a great time last time talking through two things. Well, we, we heard a little bit about your ministry, what's going on with Apologetics Canada. Then we heard about this idea of Christianity, the Christian story, and some of the discussion that as you had led this class and kind of like, a, as you mentioned, it was a, sort of like a dialogue, but you were just talking and people were interacting with it. But you're talking about, you know, what is the Christian story and how is the Christian story compelling? And then uh, for your second session, you were talking about the life of Jesus and how is the life of Jesus compelling? And, you know, if you're interested, we got into that last episode. You can go find that and maybe that'll be more helpful to you to listen to that. But what we're going to do is we continue our questioning of Christianity with session three, which we're going to be talking a little bit about questioning the Bible. But Andy, you know, as we think about just the recap, and maybe you can give us a brief recap of what we discussed in the last two, but what stood out to you in our discussion last time? Well, for those of you that were, you know, listening to our previous discussion, one of the things we're doing is we're just talking about Christianity. We, we're talking about theology. And what it does is it invites people into the conversation, and it gives them an opportunity and a space to raise questions. And this is something I love about Christianity. Christianity is is a part of um, a, a robust intellectual tradition of people that have thought deeply about life and that have asked questions. And, and this is something that I think is so important for people to appreciate is that when with coming to Jesus, it's not like it's like it's not like shut up and sit down. Right. It's like engage in the conversation and be part of this relationship and you're allowed to ask questions and you're allowed to think through these important aspects of life. And the truth is, I can't think of anything more important to do. It baffles my mind that you can have human beings born on this beautiful rock spinning in this dark, vacuous space around a giant ball of fire and never just stop and think about the fact that this is bizarre this is crazy this is amazing could could there this be a part of something so much bigger than just living and dying i mean that that to me i think is really crazy that people could live their whole lives and not think about the fact that they're alive and what is this all about so that's what christian christianity is about it's about giving people the space to talk ask questions and and to think deeply uh, on these important issues absolutely and so as we, you know, one of the things that stuck out to me is we talked a little bit about the idea of Jesus being enough. And um, we really nuanced that and talked about what that can look like in your own life. Like, because that's, that can often be just a platitude. Hey, Jesus is enough. But what in maybe the most existential crisis you're in, or even just the building blocks of life. Uh, one of the things that I love about Christianity, and I often say this is, 
no matter where you are on the intellectual spectrum, whether you consider yourself, you're like, I'm just a very simple person, not a deep theologian, or whether you are a high-level theologian and you love getting into the nerdy stuff, philosophy, Christianity offers answers that are satisfying no matter where you are on that spectrum. And I love that. I think it's so important. And so, you know, Daniel, again, Jesus is enough. You know, one of the things we could say, I think that the Apostle Paul is getting at in Colossians is that not only is Jesus enough, he's more than enough. I, this is one of my favorite yeah. pieces of scripture. Paul says, my goal is that they may, this is Colossians chapter two, verse two. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Jesus Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I love that. In Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And then he says, and I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine sounding arguments. For though I'm absent from you in body, I'm present with you in spirit and delighted to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. And I just want to say this, Daniel, and, I, and I'm curious if this was your experience as well. I'm, I'm sure it was. But for me, I, I did my BA in biblical studies and I went on to do a master's degree and then I went on to do a PhD. And in each of those endeavors, I always wondered, oh man, am I going to come across something that's going to uh, shake my faith and show me this is all just a bunch of, you know, wishful thinking. And and man, every time I've dug deeper into my faith, and this is one of the reasons I love doing Question Christianity, every time I've asked questions and I've dug deeper, my faith has grown more strong and solid. And I've seen that what, what Paul is saying is so true. In Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Yeah. And that passage to me, I I just ponder that one all like hidden the deepest treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Like if you, do you remember in Lord of the Rings how the uh, the dwarves mined, they just went so deep, deep, deep into the mines, into the earth, they just kept going deeper and deeper and deeper and they were searching for Mithril. It's not a full conversation with Daniel unless at some point you get to Tolkien. What? Now, <laughs> we I, never talk about Tolkien. <laughs> No, I love it. Sorry, man. I interrupted you. Keep going. Keep going. Take me down into the depths of... Well, just the, the image, right, of like they, their whole desire was to dig deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And you're like, how much deeper can we go? And they go. And even as deep as you could go in into the vaults of the, of the treasure of the wisdom of Christ, like there are answers there. It's crazy. Like, and you can ponder that for a long time, that all wisdom and knowledge, the most hidden secrets of the universe are found in Jesus. That to me is like, I don't know, I could ponder that for a while. But okay, let me just get us on to here, session three, which was, which is questioning the Bible, right? And as you were teaching this class, one of the things you guys were doing is now you're, you're talking about the Bible. And so what do you find, what is our culture, maybe some of your friends, neighbors, what do they think about the Bible? Is it just a book? Is it kind of like a cool piece of literature? What do, what do you find as you've done ministry across Canada? What's the common perception of what the Bible is? You know, that that's an interesting question, and it, and it changes depending upon who you're talking to, but a lot of people tend to want to look at the Bible from a couple different vantage points that are problematic. Uh, and so one of them that I've seen is people want to look at the Bible as a magic book. It is a book, you know, that there's something magical about it. And and it's interesting because a lot of people get that because there are a lot of religions in which their holy books are viewed 
more like magic books. They're they're and and by that I mean they're viewed, and I'm not trying to be derogatory, I'm just saying that they're viewed as though the words, the utterances of the words are where the power is. This is true of Islam, it's true of Buddhism. So, like for example, you'll be in a Buddhist country and like I, I've been in many times, and I and I remember one time asking, you know, what what are the monks chanting? I was asking the translator, and they said, Well, I don't know. And I'm like, well, what do you mean you don't know? And they're like, well, they're chanting in Sanskrit, the language that the scriptures are written in. But people don't know what Sanskrit means. But they, for them, they don't need to because the, the power in their mind is in the utterance of the words, right? But Christianity is really unique because for us, the Bible is a not a magic book. It's a meaning book. The power is found in the meaning of the words. What is the story that's being communicated? What is God seeking to tell about, like we talked about last podcast, right? About the purposes of what he's doing and about who we are in him. And and so those are important aspects of, you know, two different views that I often see, because I often find that in North America, people want to treat the Bible like a magic book in that they'll want to like flip through it and put their finger on a verse and read that and be like, there's my wisdom for the day sort of idea and instead of realizing that you would never read a story like that like a story is is read and understood in its entirety not chopped up into these verses and the verses of course weren't uh, a part of the bible in the beginning we've added them later for to be helpful but i i'm afraid that they're not always helpful um i like what you're saying about that like yeah it's not just a magic book you don't just flip to it it is I mean, it's it's a history book. It's a philosophical book. It's a a book that is poetic, has poetry in it. It's a book that instructs. And I think just to say, wow, it's just a nice story is way too simplistic. Because I would agree, it is. It's a nice story. It's the greatest story ever told. And yet, it's so much more than that. Yeah, because uh, this isn't a fairy tale. This is a true story. And then this is a story that, that can and will change your life. And that's the power of Christianity, by the way, is, is that this story brings you in uh, and will transform you. And this is something that's taken me a long time as a Christian to fully appreciate, because often when you read the Bible, you'll think that the miracles are the impressive part where Jesus is healing the blind or the lame or raises the dead to life. And what you realize as you get into this is that's not the real amazing part those in fact jesus only does those as a sign to show you that he could do an even more impressive miracle and that that more impressive miracle is that jesus can heal the broken that he can mend broken relationships that he can mend your broken relationship with god and see that restored to not just living forever but relationship with god forever that you can live that you can fulfill the purpose that you were created for through him that's that's the real miracle of the Bible. And so that, that starts to really change the way that you see the Bible and the way that you experience the Bible. Now, I, I want to I tackle one other thing, Daniel, that I see as a misconception. Well, there's, there's two things uh, with regards to the Bible. And this is something that happens when we do the question Christianity that I love, is people are able to raise questions like, hey, why is the Bible translated in all these, you know, there's so much translations and stuff. And can we trust those translations? Can we, like, why is there so many of them? Exactly. And shouldn't we just be a King James only? You know, so these are great conversations for us to have as we get into the fact that, well, actually the Bible, uh, particularly the New Testament, is in Greek. 
So if you want to be like a purist, well, then you better learn Greek and read it in Greek because the King James is a translation, right? And the reality is, is it's like, well, which King James are you reading? Because it depends upon how far you go back. And what you begin to realize is that language is, is living, it's changing. And so translation is an ongoing process that you will always have to translate the Bible because language is constantly changing. And you'll realize this if you just go back and read some old literature from Shakespeare to, you know, Canterbury Tales or whatever it might be. You know, you quickly realize that Old English maybe could understand 40 percent of it. <laughs> it. Now, one of the other things that's interesting with, with regards to that as well, and this brings up kind of fun, practical questions like here in Canada, particularly in British Columbia, an expression that's used here quite regularly is how was the weather yesterday? Well, it was raining cats and dogs. And we'll use phrases like that here to talk about a downpour. And it raises these interesting uh, translation questions. You could ask, okay, if, I, if I'm going to translate that phrase, raining cats and dogs, do I do that literally or do I do that more generally? So, for example, and these are, these are questions translators of the Bible have to deal with. Now, do I go with, now when I translate, am I going for the meaning that's being communicated or am I going more for the exact wording that's being used? And it's funny because if we were to translate naturally, we'd probably often just say, oh, it's raining hard if I'm trying to translate it into German or something, you know? And, and so what you find with different translations is that different translators in these different Bibles will use different methods where some will go more literal and say cats and dogs and others will say, you know, more of the the meaning that's being communicated and say it was raining hard that day sort of idea. And so this is one of the reasons why you'll get different translations is it's different, different approaches. And then we often, we think that this can be helpful for you, that you can read the different translations and see, you can compare those to, to appreciate what's being communicated because that's what's important. Mm -hmm. um, and again, there's lots of literature on that sort of stuff and the translations that like, you know, we have more original documents now than we ever did in history. So, like, chances are we actually can get a closer translation than they could back in the King James times, right? Like, we have more resources, we're better at it now, and so there is improvement that has come. I want to jump back a little bit here because one of the other things that I think the Bible does, and this gets us into question four as we talk about questioning good and evil, right, as asking questions about that. I think the Bible gives us the best framework by which we can understand good and evil. I do think that we all feel evil. We can all sense it. We can see it. We see it on the news. And, you know, even in death, we feel that. And it just feels so wrong. And I think the Bible begins to lay out the best explanation for that and how we can overcome evil. And so has that impacted you personally, like the Bible's, description of good and evil? Uh, absolutely. This is one of the reasons why I like looking at different world religions is that it can often give you uh, a better perspective of, of Christianity or a unique or different perspective of Christianity. Because I think you're absolutely right, Daniel. This is one aspect where Christianity really shines is where it's explaining to you what we you know, naturally experience where we go through these moments of brokenness, of evil, and, we're, and we cry out, you know, the world, you know, shouldn't be this way it's wrong or bad you know whenever you talk like that you're saying that the world ought not be like this it, it ought to be you know good right or correct which raises these profound questions like well 
if I say that something's wrong, what, what, what should it be? And one of the things that the Bible does, particularly when we're looking at this, and when we do things like questioning Christianity, we're constantly bringing these conversations back to that focal point of what's the purpose here. Because this is sometimes where people can miss the mark, where maybe the, all they've heard about Christianity is sin and evil, and they think that's what Christianity is about, that God's all about his rules, and you got to get the rules right so that God you know, doesn't send you to hell and those sorts of things, right? But when you get into the Christian story, that's not what this is about at all. It's about a God that loves you dearly. And because God loves you, God wants you to experience the best possible life. God wants you to flourish. And flourishing happens when you fulfill the purpose that you were created for, being in relationship with God and right with one another. But it's a type of relationship. It's not just any kind of relationship. It's right relationship. And so these start to raise those profound questions like you're bringing up, Daniel. Well, what does right relationship look like? And ultimately, the Bible warns of counterfeit relationship, uh, what we call evil, relationship that does not lead to your good, relationship that doesn't lead to flourishing, but leads to death and destruction. And, and so, you know, it, it, it take a while to kind of tease out all of this, but an important concept from the biblical perspective is that evil is not a thing in and of itself. Uh, evil is the corruption of something. So one of the, th the analogies that I like to use is the analogy of currency and counterfeit currency. See, currency is a thing, but counterfeit currency is not a thing. It's the corruption of something. And from the Christian perspective, this is how we understand evil. Evil is the corruption of good. So good is the thing. Goodness exists, and God allows evil to exist for a time, this broken relationship, but he will judge it. It will be destroyed, and you don't need it, you know, because there's other religions kind of this dualistic view of good and evil, but Christianity is saying, no, there's good. God has allowed for that good to be corrupted for a time, but for counterfeit relationship, if you will. But the currency is what's real, and that currency is what's going to lead to your good. I, It's hard to, you know— I know we're in a bit of a rush here at the podcast, so hopefully if I've explained that quickly enough <laughs> without confusing anybody. No, definitely. Because with God, we have a standard of what's good. And it goes back to this idea that we actually couldn't know what is good or what is evil if we don't have God, which I think is so interesting how people will claim to know what, what things are good and what things are evil, but they'll claim to have no standard. And if you just ask the question, well, by what standard are you saying that's good? You know, they'll appeal to some sort of, well, this is how we've evolved. Okay, <laughs> but by, by what standard now are you saying that that's good or bad? Like, I don't care if we've evolved. Why do you, you know, think that something is good or something is evil? And ultimately, Christianity says, well, because we have a God to contrast that to. Well, this is a, an important one just to make a couple notes that I find when you do question Christianity with people, you begin to realize where people aren't hearing us quite correctly. Because some people will be like, but Andy, I, I'm an atheist or I know an atheist and they're good people. It's like, well, yeah, we're not saying that you need to believe in God to do good things. What we're saying is, is you need God to exist in order for there to be such a thing as good. Um, and if you're going to say that the world ought not to be this way, then how ought the world to be? Like when we say, you know, that it, it shouldn't, you know, shouldn't be evil. Well, what's the standard of good then? What's the standard of the way it should be? And from the Christian perspective, as you're getting at Daniel, we're we're saying that God is that standard. God and here, let me put it in these terms. God embodies right relationship within God's essence. God is the very standard 
of how a community or a relationship ought to be, that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and lives in right relationship within God's essence, and that essence is good and becomes the very standard of how we ought to live that's going to lead to our good. And so then this becomes an important point with regards to the nature of God, because when we say that God is love, we're not saying that love is God. That's to confuse it. We're saying that God is loving and that, yes, God has rules, but God's rules come from God's love. And this is where people can really misunderstand Christianity or get things you know, backwards. And that's why I like questioning Christianity, because we can untangle some of this where we can explain, listen, no, God is love and God loves you and God desires for your good. And thus, like any good parent, God has rules to direct you of what's going to lead to your flourishing and what's not. Absolutely. I won't press too much further there because I, I completely agree. Let me bring us to our last piece here, session five, questioning the church. And in the interest of time, you know, let's, let's just get right into it. Because Oftentimes, uh, I'll hear this, hey, I, I know that God is loving, but the church is not. And oftentimes, we'll just hear that complaint over and over again. I didn't feel welcomed. I didn't feel loved at this church. I didn't feel understood. And what have you found, like, what encourages you about the church, but also what concerns you about the church? Because that's a big concern for some people. They're like, I'm all about God, but I don't want anything to do with the church. Um, now, I personally don't think that you can be a Christian if you don't love the church. And, and at least, um, you know, because like we've talked about many times, it's about relationship with God and relationship with one another. And so it might be hard to find a good church, but we ought to be doing our best to try and find a community where we can belong, where they are passionate about relationship with God and one another. Absolutely, because sometimes we will reduce Christianity to you and God. It's just me and Jesus sort of idea. And that often is perpetuated when we think of, you know, the gospel being reduced to, well, accept Jesus into your heart. And and although that's fine way of speaking, as long as you understand what that means. But the, the challenge with it, of course, is that you were saved into more than just a relationship with God. You were saved into community, that, that it's both. That, yes, you have a personal relationship with God, but you also have a communal relationship with God. And when you read the Bible, this is, you know, one of the things I see people missing is they miss that communal aspect. Notice when Jesus is teaching how to pray, you know, how, how does he begin, right? He says, our father who art in heaven. My father, yeah. <laughs> my father who is. Right. It's it, the right. whole prayer is plural. You know, it's it's we. And this is something that a lot of people miss, you know, that we're a part of a community and that that community is going to lead to your good. You need the church and the church needs you. Yeah. The Bible will talk about adoption and we are adopted into family, into a family. And so if you're adopted and all of a sudden there's siblings there, well, you don't get to choose whether or not they're going to be your siblings. They're your siblings now, right? So now you got to learn how to live with them. So think about that then, Daniel. This is the problem that a lot of people have. Let's use that family analogy because they'll come home for a family reunion, right? Around the table and their brothers being a jerk. And they're like, man, this guy, this guy's such a jerk or they're not liking this, you know, this brother. And so they'll be like, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to be a part of this family anymore or mom and dad, you must be jerks because brother's a jerk sort of idea. And this, this is where I think a lot of people will, will kind of derail, if you will, in that your relationship with God should not be defined by other people. This is such a, I find such a critical point, and this is something where our testimony can sometimes lead us astray, 
because we get used to telling people about God through our lives. But the problem is, is, you know, your life should be pointing to Jesus, not to yourself. And that's true, not only of the good, but also of the bad. You know, that some people will reduce Christianity to whatever person that they've encountered. But the reality is, is that we are all broken people in need of Jesus. And that you should anticipate that the church is going to have broken people in it. And that just like any family, it's going to have some dysfunction in it. The question is, is whether or not you're committed to the family and you're committed to reconciliation and seeking each other's good in the midst of this. And that this doesn't reflect negatively on, you know, who our heavenly father is and that God is good. Yeah. Uh, everybody needs forgiveness and we constantly need forgiveness because we're still sinners like that. Even when you become a Christian, your sin doesn't just disappear. You are made new, you're made whole, but then the enemy will do everything he can to try and distract you and pull you away. And we'll, we'll mess up sometimes. It's, it's just part of a sin nature and we need forgiveness. And it's like, even that jerk of a brother at the Thanksgiving dinner table, right? That, that brother, that sister needs forgiveness. And not only that, you need to learn to forgive them as well. Like that's that could be how the Lord's working in you there. Um, and I find it so interesting that you know it, after Jesus teaches us how to how to pray, you know, forgives our sins and forgive those who sin against us. Yeah, where does he go afterwards? <laughs> afterwards, like we'll we'll be like, oh, the Lord's prayer is so good. Then afterwards, there's a little note where he he really doubles down. He says, if you do not forgive your brother, you will not have forgiveness in heaven. Like, like it's not really an option to forgive as Christians. You don't have the, the luxury to choose who you'll forgive and who you won't. Forgiveness is not an option. And so, you know, but you, you'd learn that and you get that in community and, uh, you know, you're tested at times. Well, think about this, because I think this is an important aspect of what you're getting at here, Daniel. And I'm so glad you brought that up about forgiveness. I love how Jesus is like, here's how you pray. And by the way, <laughs> you know, if you don't do this, yeah, your heart should be oriented <laughs> towards reconciliation to forgiveness. So in other words, then the church is about Jesus. And if the church is about Jesus, it means that you and I can be honest about ourselves and other people. But the problem is we tend to want to go the celebrity route where we want to idolize people and make the church about people and not about Jesus. And then we can't be honest because now we've made our faith and our hope into somebody uh, instead of about Jesus. And then we begin to either not see Christianity correctly or judge it incorrectly because we're judging it with regards to a person. And let me just bring this up real quick here, because it means then that we can be honest and we must be honest about where the church has gotten things right, but also where it's gotten things wrong. And that there are church fathers or different people, you know, historically that we love, our theologians that we love or our authors that we love that have gotten things wrong. Oh yeah. You know, and that we that we can be honest about because our hope isn't in them, it's in Jesus. Totally. And just as a side, you pointed this out to me, like we look up to guys like Martin Luther and Martin Luther said some of the most racist things. <laughs> like he was just a, a flat out anti-Semite. Like, he, yeah. you know, he was, some of the stuff he would say was awful. And you realize- He said terrible things. Yeah. All of us, even the best of us, still fall short of that glory. Or even Jonathan Edwards. Oh, totally. You know, Edwards gave an argument for slavery, you know, and you're like, and for, for many people, they might want to run away from that and be like, oh my goodness, you know, Edwards tried to justify slavery. And it's like, yeah, and he was dumb and he shouldn't have done it. Uh, but my hope's not in yeah. Edwards. <laughs> I know. 
Well, and people can look back on us 300 years from now and they'll be like, you believed that? You taught people to do this? You know, like we just don't know. And I think we have to have a humble posture and, and when there's correction, receive it. And that happens in community. And that's the real value of, of the church. We need the church for that. Yeah, pointing people to Jesus. I love what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, follow after me as I follow after Christ. That's that's what church looks like. Yeah. Um, Andy, hey, we've, we've run out of time here. Um, this has been awesome, though. Thank you for joining us again for part two of this question, Christianity. And you know, for those who might want to hear a little bit about your ministry, or maybe you know, where can they go to find out about Apologetics Canada? But then also let them know about the conferences that you have coming up as well. Yeah. You know, first, one of the things I just want to encourage people with is uh, as we go here, questioning Christianity is something you can do at your church in your own community. Uh, you can hold these opportunities for people to talk about the Christian faith and to be able to ask their questions and get some clarity. Uh, and we're, we're constantly working on more resources to help you do that. You can find out more about us at apologeticscanada.com. We have a variety of different resources that you can check out online. And one of those resources that you can uh, check out is our conference. So we have a conference happening in Saskatchewan in February. We have one in British Columbia in March. And then we'll have another one. Details will be coming soon in Ontario uh, for November. We'd love to see you out to one of those events. I'll throw one last thing out there, Daniel, as we close. And that is we do something across Canada called the Leadership Summit. We have a new one coming up in Ontario in May would encourage you to check that out on our website and you can register for that. We'll have uh, more coming out in Saskatchewan and in British Columbia. So keep an eye out for those. So good. Andy, thank you for joining us. And as always, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Daniel. Great being with you. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hey, this is Dan Markin from InDoubt, and I'm really thrilled to share that this month we welcome Andrew Marcus as a host and director of InDoubt. Andrew is an award-winning singer-songwriter and acclaimed worship leader and pastor, and he's excited to lead the InDoubt team, launch new innovative programs, and engage a network of Christian leaders and experts to help speak the truths of God's Word into the challenges of faith faced by young adults every single day. Stay tuned to hear more in the coming weeks ahead.